Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Messenger on C103. And a very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to another week of the programme. We've got Bernie and Sadie taking your calls today. Uh, John Paul on a day off. So if you want to contact us, the girls ready to take your calls at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. I imagine for some people today is going to be quite an exciting day because today is the first time I would say now is it in over three months that for some people they're going to be able to go and see their loved ones in uh, nursing homes. Now not all nursing homes are open to visitors so you are going to need to check with your individual nursing home to find out if family members are allowed in uh, or not. There, there are new rules, obviously. It isn't just nursing homes throwing open their front doors and saying, come one, come all. Uh, visitors will obviously have to confirm that they have no virus symptoms before entering a nursing home. The visits are going to be staggered. They can't have everybody arriving at the one time. Uh, they're going to be limited uh, to less than 30 minutes. Uh, each visitor will be allowed one visit per week. Children under the the age of 16 not going to be allowed to uh, visit and residents will be limited to two named visitors who must undergo temperature checks beforehand and I don't think anyone is going to have uh, any problems with that I mean the whole because nobody nobody would would like to think that they're going along to visit a much loved parent or sibling or grandparent and then to discover after that you brought the virus uh, in with you and nobody would want that in their conscience so I don't think anyone is going to have any problems about saying we need to check your, your temperature and we need to make sure that you are feeling okay but certainly it's going to be an exciting day both for the residents in the nursing homes but also for family members because I think it really has been one of the toughest things that families have had to put up with. I mean certainly over the last three months we've heard from uh, families who were, were absolutely heartbroken about not being able to get in and visit parents or we had husbands and wives not being able to get in and visit each other and siblings not being able to visit each other and and particularly for families who regularly went to nursing homes. I mean, we would have heard from people who went to a nursing home every single day 
to visit a, a loved one. I remember there was one man in particular uh, contacted us very early on in the in the process. His wife had been admitted to a nursing home and he said, you know, there wasn't a day in their married life that they hadn't been together. And even though she'd gone into a nursing home and she was in there about six months, he'd still, you know, got, had gone every single day and suddenly that had been taken uh, from him. And he was utterly, utterly heartbroken. And I remember it was in the very early days of it. We're saying it'll only be for a few weeks it'll be fine and yet it's rolled on to three months or more because if you think back nursing homes were the first particularly the private nursing homes were the first to do the lockdown. I mean they went they probably went into lockdown a week before the rest of the country did and even at the time it was almost being poo-hooed were they slightly jumping the gun did they need to go into lockdown so quickly. Do you remember there was a bit of criticism of it. I think they were right at the time with the way uh, things subsequently happened. So certainly it is a good, good news day for nursing home residents and for their families. I know there will be a little bit of disappointment. The fact that children won't be allowed in. Nobody under the age of 16 will be allowed to uh, make a visit. Now, whether that would be relaxed as the more restrictions get lifted, only time will tell. And just on the subject of children, can I tell you something that I witnessed at over the weekend that kind of, it actually, it was when I came home from the supermarket and I started to think about it, it kind of upset me a little bit and I actually went on Twitter and I was tweeting about it yesterday and, and, and I got quite a big reaction on Twitter. So I was saying, OK, it's not just me. I was in a, a supermarket uh, at the weekend and I was, you know, pottering around doing my shopping and I'm, you know, quite, I have my shopping list with me and I'm quite focused when I go to the supermarket and I'm very conscious and aware of other people and I make sure I give lots of other people uh, space. You know, if I'm waiting, I was queuing at one stage, I needed to get some chicken and uh, I was queuing and there was a person in front of me. I waited for them to finish to do their business and and when the lady realised I was behind her, she didn't know how long I was standing there. She was apologising. Oh, sorry, have I taken too long? I said, no, you know, take your time. It's fine. And I think that's one of the things with, with shopping. You go in, you know what you need to get, but don't be in this big mad rush because I think it's when you're in the big mad rush to run in and get something that's when I think we have a tendency to forget about social distancing because you're just focused on what you need to get and getting in and and getting out so go in don't spend too much time but be as relaxed as you can I think if you're more relaxed I think we're more focused then about giving other people the space that they need so anyway I was potting around the supermarket and I saw a woman who had three young children with her and I think that in itself stood out because we're so used to now being in the supermarket and no children because most of the supermarkets uh, will say no, no children allowed and whatever. So obviously this woman had pleaded her case at the door because as with all supermarkets, there's a security guard there telling you when you can, can go in, when you can't go in, etc. So she obviously pleaded her case and explained why she needed to bring her children with her into the supermarket. But she was berating one of the kids and it was, you know, along the lines, you cannot move away from me. You have to stand right beside me. Now, I hadn't seen the child do anything untoward, but he'd obviously moved a couple of inches further away from her than she was happy uh, about. But you could see her frantic, the frantic nature of it and the, her nervousness. And it wasn't that the children were going to do something and be bold or it wasn't that they were having meltdowns or anything like that. It was because she was kind of looking around and she looked at me and I smiled at her as if to say, it's OK, I'm not going to have a go with you at all. But you could see she was fearful of other people looking at her as if to say, well, what are you doing in a supermarket with your three small children? And it just struck me that she 
that wasn't a choice. She obviously had nowhere else to leave those children. When I looked at how anxious and frantic and scared looking she was, I was thinking she didn't decide I'm going to get up this morning and go to the supermarket. What a great trip it's going to be with my three children. She had nowhere else to leave those children. And she obviously then had to plead her case at the door with the security man who obviously accepted her reasoning. And they that she had to bring the children with her. And they were too young, by the way, before somebody says, why don't you leave them in the car? And it did strike me that if she had let the three of them sitting in the car, this time last year, she'd have been the world's worst mother in the world if she had left three small children sitting in a car while she ran into the supermarket. But it just got me thinking that we are all gone very judgmental. People are straight away judging other people as to, well, could she not have got somebody to mind the children? What's she doing with the children inside in the supermarket? And before somebody says she couldn't, she've done shopping online. No, that's not always possible. Countless times on this programme, we've heard from people who said they'd love to do the shopping online. But when they go to try to book a time slot, they can't get shopping online for another three weeks, 10 days or whatever. If you need shopping now, you need shopping now. Shopping online is very suitable if you're very organised and you're getting it week on week on week. But it's not always possible. So, but it just, it got me thinking that we're just gone very judgmental and that we all need to, I think, stand back. And before we rush in to say what is wrong with that scenario and what a bad mother and why didn't she find somebody else to mind her children? Nobody knows what is going on in somebody else's life. And nobody knows what's going on in somebody else's world or in somebody else's home. So, you know, my my message at the weekend when I was tweeting about it is, you know, we need to stop the judgment calls and we just need to be kind. And I know we're all under pressure and we, we are all finding life a little bit fraught at the moment. But so is everybody else. So I just think, you know, a little bit of kindness goes a long way and just move on, go about your own business. You don't need to be worried as to why she was in the shop with her three children. Uh, They weren't sneezing and coughing on top of people. They weren't interfering with anybody else. But just my heart broke for the woman. I just felt sorry for her and I just thought she has enough stresses. And as I say, I don't know what's going on in her own little world, but she just looked like she had the stresses of the world upon her. And all she was trying to do was her weak her weekly grocery uh, shopping. So just my message from that little incident to me was to, was to be kind. Anyway, I did put it up on social media and, and I had a, had a lot of reaction uh, to it. But then, and this I was really thrilled about, I got this last night via Twitter from Supervalue in Clonakilty and we actually spoke to Eugene Scally from Supervalue in Clonakilty at the very start of kind of all the lockdown and all of the restrictions and they were one of the stores that weren't allowing children in and they were suggesting that they could get a personal shopper to do your shopping for you uh, but they were very much not allowing sh- as as indeed they're not the only supermarkets a lot of supermarkets have a no children and a one person on a trolley uh, rule and they're quite you know they're sticking quite religiously to it. Anyway, Supervalue in Clonakilty tweeted me to say that they are now recognising that lots of mams and dads have gone back to work last week. So from today, uh, they have family friendly shopping from 10 to 11 a.m. and from 7 to 9 p.m. each evening. They say all the small friends are welcome back with no restriction on the number of children at these times. Now that's a good move. 
that's a good move and I think that will allow parents to feel more relaxed inside in the supermarket and it also I think will allow other people who seem to be very nervous about being anywhere near children it will allow them to go and do their shopping and not to be in a supermarket with uh, children. So well done. And, you know, they also have vulnerable elderly and frontline shopping times, which a lot of the stores have as well. So I will be interested now to see, will other supermarkets pick up on this and will other supermarkets start introducing family friendly shopping where you allocate certain times of the day where children are allowed into the store? Now, the general public can go as as well, but it's a particular time where children are allowed and if you want to avoid being in a store with children you'll know not to go at those times but it will be of particular importance to families who need to who have no other choice who've got nobody else to look after their children and that they need to take them uh, shopping 1850 I'd be interested in, in your thoughts particularly on those families who are struggling I mean I mean, I'm assuming if you have somebody that can look after the children, you know, there's somebody there or there if there's, there's two parents, one can stay at home with the children, but it just isn't always possible. So your thoughts welcomed on that, 1850-333-103. And retail units in shopping centres, they are due to reopen today. Now, this is obviously provided they're able to put in place all of the measures to prevent the spread of the uh, infection. These were the shopping centres that were not due to open until the 10th of August. So it's a big, big boost for all of the larger shopping centres. So we wish them all the very best of luck, everybody that's heading back. And the workers, let's think about the workers as well. It can be a nervous time for workers as they head out, having been in lockdown for the last three months. So the best of luck to all of those retailers who are heading back uh, today. And it does seem that we as consumers, we poured money into our saving accounts during uh, lockdown, particularly those who are fortunate enough to retain a job. Why? People were simply unable to spend money. I mean, there was a certain amount of money spent online, but still uh, a lot of money, it seems, has been saved. It's from the latest Bank of Ireland Saving and Investment Index. And it shows that consumers now think it's a good time to start saving, but we don't think it's a good time to put money into investments. No surprise there. COVID-19 pandemic restrictions has led to a collapse, obviously, in consumer spending. And that has prompted more people to start saving. And people now are, are seeing this is a good time. And we saved more money in the period of April to June than we've done in quite some time. The central bank said recently deposits from householders, wait for this, rose by three billion three billion during the month of of April and that was the biggest increase since the bank began compiling the figures back in 2003. On the flip side consumer lending also dropped sharply in uh, April. The Bank of Ireland index said the most surprising result was a big increase in optimism about retirement. Banking experts speculated that people have seen what a simpler, slower pace of life is like during lockdown and some are feeling quite positive about it. Given the massive falls and rises though in the stock market, large numbers of people turned off the idea though of putting their money into investments and during lockdown, the equity markets they dropped by about 30% but then they've recovered most of their losses uh, in a matter of weeks and that's obviously important for people who are retiring because retirement um, a lot of the retirement money is tied up in equity. But isn't it interesting that one of the pluses of lockdown, when people are quizzed 
about those who are coming in retirement age. How are you fe- feeling about it? Suddenly there was a change in optimism from people who were kind of not looking forward to retirement. Suddenly some people are saying, yeah, this is, n- this is nice. This is a simpler life. It's a, a slower pace of life and I'm actually enjoying it. So if this is what retirement is going to be like. Some are saying, bring it on. Happy days. 1850 333103 the issue of uh, children inside in supermarkets and me making the point that we've just got to stop being we seem to become very judgmental were we always judgmental or are we going worse during during this lockdown and pandemic I don't know um, somebody says well done Patricia P- people should mind their own business I think the way children have been treated through all of this pandemic is disgraceful all children have been very good through all of it but at what expense children need to be left out to go to shops etc and to socialise so they'll know what is needed and how they should be acting when they're out and about they've been scared into thinking that they've done something wrong or there's something wrong with them when they should be tre- should be cherished and treated with respect like uh, all of us. Um, th- thank you. That's a really good text. You know, I, I am starting to think and worry about how children have been affected by and will be affected by all of this. I mean, by the time if schools reopen in September. They'll have been six months out of school. I was dropping my uh, niece over to her friend um, at the weekend and I was in a housing, one of larger housing estates in in Mallow and it was lovely and sunny. It was one of the sunny spells during the weekend and it was just lovely. There was a group of little children all out playing, you know, obviously from all different households, having fun and, the, and you know, that peal of laughter of children out playing and it was just such a lovely sight to behold. And it got me thinking as well that uh, children are have been really affected through all of this uh, pandemic. I mean, the edu- what they're losing out on education, but it's not just what they're losing out on education, it's the that emotional support and that the normality of being in school and they're missing out on their friends, the, you know, the friends that they only meet up with inside in, in the classroom. And, you know, one wonders, will we look back in this period and think, yeah, we've made mistakes with children and this is the long-term effect uh, of it. So I really do hope, particularly on the schools, that we get the school side of it sorted out and that we get the children back to school. I mean, I know Joe McHugh, the Minister for Education, was came out kind of through a spanner in the works on Friday, basically saying all the schools are just going to open and that's it, sure, everyone will be fine and we'll put everybody into a classroom bubble and off you go. I knew straight away that the teachers' unions would be out en masse and they were they're not a bit happy uh, to hear about it. But I think we need to have a little bit of a common sense approach. But the one thing I do agree with Joe McHugh, the Minister for Education, we need the schools to reopen. We don't need them to reopen on an ad hoc basis. We need them to reopen and all of the children to go back in those school gates and for all of those children to return to a normal life as possible. They've done it in other countries and before a teacher rings in saying that's OK, in other countries we don't have classroom sizes up to 30 what I'd love to know, and I wonder if we got onto the Department of Education, would they be able to tell us how many schools around the country have 30 plus children in the classroom? I mean, we have a lot of small schools, particularly, you know, the small schools in rural areas. I mean, they certainly don't have 30 children per class because every time the example is used, well, other countries are managing to reopen their schools and everybody's gone back and, you know, everybody's OK we'll straight away hear from the teaching units, uni, unions here, oh, well, there's 30 plus children in our classes, our class sizes are too big and I do accept that our class sizes are too big. 
But what what is the proportion of class sizes that are 30 and over? I mean, are there more children in classes that have 30 and under? And could we start looking at models where some schools are going to need extra support to open up, but others as they were before before lockdown could go back in, into school. I just think we need to be start thinking outside the box and I think the focus and I'm not dissing the teachers in any way that, I mean and I want to keep the teachers safe but I do think the focus needs to start going on to the children and also if you want an example of how children are not spreading the coronavirus from one, one to the other. Before we went into lockdown, remember the ski trips that happened to Italy and some schools went on the ski uh, trips. I mean, Mary Lou Macdonald wasn't her son. Her, her son went to a school that had one of the ski trips where they brought back the COVID-19 and they showed there was children in both secondary school and primary school who were diagnosed with COVID-19 or they were the first of the schools to completely, they closed them down and everybody went into self-isolation for two weeks. They, they closed them down completely. But they didn't pass on the COVID-19 even though the child with the COVID-19 and the pupil with the COVID-19 had been in the classroom. They'd sat in the classroom for a few days. They'd gone to PE with the other students. One of them had even been to choir practice and they didn't pass it on. So for whatever reason, children don't seem to be super spreaders. Back in the early days, it was believed that children were super spreaders. But now we've known, and this has been reflected right across the world, that they're not super spreaders. And for some reason, they don't pick it up as easily as, say, adults uh, do. So I think all all of that information has to be fed into our decision to get our schools back up and running and we need to do something because the damage that we are doing to our children these are the generation of the future these are the children that we will need to grow up into healthy rounded adults who will take over the running of this uh, country and will take up the jobs when we're all retired and they'll be taking over and you just wonder the damage and are we going to look back with the regret that we've damaged an entire generation. So I do think something needs to be done uh, about that and get the schools open as quickly as possible. 1850 We're going to be talking about consumer affairs actually on the programme today. If you have a consumer affairs question in particular, we want to, f- we want to focus on the flights, people who had flights cancelled due to COVID-19. Have you got your refund did you get your voucher if you went for a voucher rather than a refund? Let us know if you have a story to tell on that or on any other issue to do with consumer consumer issues, particularly during the lockdown. And one of the things that did come up when I mentioned on Friday we were going to be do, we're doing it today was somebody who said they went into a business, wanted to buy something, got up to the checkout, went to pay to be told, sorry, we don't take cash. Uh, we only take cards. And this particular gentleman said, I didn't have a card with me. I don't deal in cards. I prefer to deal in cash. And he said, with great embarrassment, he had to leave his items on the counter and walk out of the shop. And he said he almost felt like a criminal walking out of the shop. And he wanted, he wants to know, is that legal? Can shops actually refuse to take your currency? And it seems, and we will find out about that hopefully in the next hour, but it does seem that a lot of people are abandoning notes and uh, coins in favour of 
cashless uh, transactions and cash withdrawals have more than halved in recent uh, weeks. They are down 56%. More than three quarters of shoppers are saying they're using contactless payments and they'll use a contactless payment at least once a week. And what's interesting when you're people moving away from cash, the World Health Organization and the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control say there is little evidence that notes and coins are helping to spread the virus. But for some strange reason, shoppers and businesses are just not taking any risks and businesses in particular want everybody to go contactless and are to tap and go and want people not to use uh, cash. But is it legal? That's what we're going to find out. 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Cork County Council have been forced to replace a number of damaged life buoys along the River Blackwater within the past few weeks, with the chair of Mallow Search and Rescue calling those responsible mindless vandals. John Wolfe of Mallow Search and Rescue uh, joins me. Um, good morning to you, John. Hello. Hi, good morning to you. You're welcome. Four out of the 16 in one three kilometre stretch had to be uh, replaced in the Mallow area uh, alone. Uh, Our lives been put at risk because of this, John? Oh, sure, most definitely. And it has to be. I mean, if if there's a ring by missing and somebody is in trouble, you go looking for it and it's not there, sure, obviously. Then there's somebody going to suffer over it. And in your time with the search and rescue, have have you come? Do you come across a lot of damaged or stolen stolen life boys? We do, yeah, and we we do quite a lot of our work is done in Cork and Cork City, and and on an average day in Cork City, we could take ten, twelve ring boys out of the river. Oh, we actually is, have a man working full time replacing ring boys in Cork. That is just so. And this literally, as you you use the phrase mindless vandals. So it's somebody going for a walk along the riverbank sees the life boy and just. For whatever reason, decides I will toss it in. Yeah, that seems to be it. Yeah, it, uh, it's not so much somebody going for a walk. Sure, and most of this is done at night and after you know the usual carry on. Eh? Anti-social behaviour. Yeah, yeah, we've seen it. We've seen we've seen them in Mallow. Actually, the ropes cut off them and used for tying up horses. You know, you can be fined a thousand euro for criminal damage if you're caught. Is is that enough of a deterrent? Well, I suppose if, if it was enforced, maybe, yeah, but it doesn't seem to be anybody enforcing it or chasing down these people or, you know, maybe putting a couple of cameras somewhere and see what comes out of it. But uh, I suppose if you're not going to enforce something, there isn't much point in having the law there. Actually, it's, it's funny because when I knew you were going to be joining us to talk about this uh, today, I was trying to see could I find online anyone who'd been caught and prosecuted for just for this act of vandalism yeah. and, and and I actually couldn't I've, so have you ever heard no, I, of anyone being prosecuted? No never heard of anybody never and in 2018 uh, I remember talking with you your, the defibrillator was vandalised I mean at one stage it was twice in, in a six month period now you had some good CCTV footage was anybody caught for that? There was yeah there, there, there was there were, there were caught yeah, yeah. and as I mentioned they, were, they had to pay for it good Good. So yeah, that's the way, damage. is that the way, you, I mean, but you can't put a CCTV on every life boy. You can't, no, I know, I understand that. But maybe, now and again, just a chance one in one of, maybe one of the places that's been abused most often or 
you know, there are hidden cameras out there for watching people dumping rubbish and all this type of things. I'm sure they could be put to use for the same thing with the life boys. And then if they're caught, they need... Well, if you catch somebody, make an example of them, it'll yeah. deter the rest of them from, from maybe going, going near them. And more than just a slap on the wrist? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, if, what, what price can you put in somebody's life if something yeah. happened down the river in the morning? And when We've had drownings in that river over the years, quite a number. You, you know yourself yeah, there. Yeah. It's every now and again it rears its head like, but I mean, if there's plenty of life boys there, it's giving somebody a fighting chance at least. How uh, if they're not there, sure. There's yeah. only one outcome then. How busy have you been with the search and rescue, particularly since lockdown? Yeah, it's been quite enough at the moment, yeah, with the lockdown and all that, but up to March it was very busy and then things seemed to quieten down a bit again, thank God. But it uh, had been very busy early in the year, all right, yeah. And you've been, you got involved, the Mallow Search Mexico, you've got involved in helping the local community during lockdown. We did, yeah. We were delivering uh, prescriptions and bits of messages for the elderly and, you know, helping out around the place. Anybody that wanted us, just give us a ring there and we'd, whatever they needed collecting and dropped off, we'd, we looked after it for them. Well done, well done. Ourselves and everybody else, now in fairness, to us, with the fin sleds and all that, they were all, they were all helping out there. Yeah, I keep talking about one of the great things that has come out of this lockdown, John, is that community spirit, isn't it? It is, yeah. In fairness, people people muck together, all right, and they got, just got things done and that was it. There wasn't much, there wasn't much else you could do. Only, you know, everybody weighed into it, sure, we're all in, in the same boat. The downside, though, all charities are being affected by fundraising. I mean, I'm assuming you've missed yeah. out on a lot of fundraising. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to hit everybody. I mean, everybody's in the same boat there. It's going to hit everything hard, for possibly for the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, we're lucky enough knowing that um, Trustee Savings Bank. Uh, we went in with those early in the year. We got picked as one of their charities for the for the year. I actually I, got I got an email about this. Um, um, yeah. uh, 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 this is this is new. Just to let people know about this, it's it's a five k a day for ten days in June. It's it's a kind of a challenge that the permanent TSB staff do themselves. That's right, yeah. No, it's quite, it's open to anybody to do it really, to have cards and that inside in the, in the branch there in Mallow, all over Munster. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that's been done all over Munster for us. Every branch is taking part. And they have a GoFundMe uh, page. They have, yeah. No, this was supposed to kick off early in the year. We, this was, you know, it was for the whole year. There was a number of events to be run over the year, but with the way things turned out, it was all knocked in the head. Well, it had to be, you couldn't, you couldn't go ahead with any events. So we're starting now again anyway. They, they contacted us there and they're, they're going to get it up and running there in June now. And are you, at the Mallet Search Rescue, are you the only local charity that's been put forward for it? Is that how yeah, it there was only one charity chosen. There were four four charities chosen in the country. Okay. And they were each area. You know, we'd Munster, Linster, Ulster, whatever. You had your land. Oh, so we, you're we the Munster. You're yeah. the Munster. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was, on a, it was on a voting it was a nationwide vote. Yeah. And uh, we were lucky enough to be picked in a... Oh, was, it, was that was that last year? Did we vote for this last year? At the end of last we year? No? We voted ah, for it last year. Ah, sorry, I know exactly, exactly now what you're talking about because I remember going online and voting. Yeah, I know exactly what it is. Okay, it, happy yeah. days. We won. We won. Uh, Great. We, we won, yeah. We <laughs> okay, that's, is, that so. is terrific. Okay, ah, and yeah, then, but, but your funding, um, had you fundraising events that had to be cancelled, John, or...? Well, we did, of course, yeah. We normally, we do a fundraiser ourselves every year, whether it's the raft or no, we didn't run it last year either. But, you know, we were going to, we'd run something every year. 
Yeah, always yeah, around paddies. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but we won't be this year. No, I mean, for obvious reasons, you can't really. You can't have crowds around anything. Or we plans all right for a few things, but we'll have to knock that in the head until next year at least. Anyway. But for you, at least uh, being, being in partnership with the bank for this thing will be, that will that will be a good help. Oh, yeah, it'll be a big help, all right, yeah. Because st- state funding to the Mallow Search and Rescue? No, nothing. Nothing. So, I'm sure that's a... Oh, we're knocking on that door a long time. What are doing? Are you, I don't think we're ever going to get anywhere there. Shocking, shocking. Yeah, yeah, there could be something put in place, all right, and put a... We don't seem to we don't seem to be included as so much goes into suicide prevention, which is a very good thing. But we seem to be at the, the end of the line with when it comes to suicide and that type of thing. And, and then when be anything left there, when you go out and do the amazing work that you do, it's this call the, is on hold. Oh, John's put me on hold. You put me on hold, John. Hello. Okay, he's put me. On. <laughs> I don't. Sorry, you put me on hold. Are you back with me? I am. Uh, I'm sorry, you put me on hold. Uh, I was just about to make the point that it's only when families get helped out by the great work that you do and then they see the importance of the work that you do and some of those families have been incredible then to go off and do some fundraising for you to keep your work going. Exactly, yeah. Some of them have been fantastic altogether. And in fairness, no, most people like to, that we would do work for would, would come back and give us a hand with something down the road anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very good. It's hard for them to at a time of fundraising, lasting in their minds, and that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, somebody says, "Hi, Patricia, could you ask the member and the member of Mallow Search Rescue is John Wolf? Uh, where can where can this person donate to this worthy cause? They do marvelous work. That's from Mary. Members of the public, of course, have always been so fantastic to to Mallow Search and Rescue. How can somebody d- donate to you, John? Well, there's a GoFundMe page set up there now with, with the TSB and they could go and they could donate through that if they wish. Perfect. And it's go, GoFundMe at... It. Yeah, all the details will be on our own page after today. Okay. Matter Search and Rescue. Details there and uh, it's for anybody. It's not just for the, the people doing the, the run in the bank and that kind of thing. Okay. Listen, you do fantastic work. Long, long uh, may you continue to be available uh, to people. I hate to say I hope you'll be busy because I don't. In the nature of the work, we don't want you to be busy. But uh, it is a great comfort to know that you're always there when the need uh, arises. Uh, John, listen, stay safe. No problem. And thank you for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. Uh, Bye bye. That is the... Chair of Mallow Search and uh, Rescue, John Wolfe. 1850-333-103. And sorry, we got off what we'd initially got to talk about is the stolen uh, life, boys. Will people please? Uh, we had a run on gorgeous weather, which took people out and about and down by the river. And so many people are out walking at the moment. Please don't. If you see anyone touching any of those life boys, go over and just do your best to try to stop them. Uh, just mindless, mindless vandals is a good description from uh, John. Our texts and WhatsApps are open to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 See some questions coming in for Annalise Dressel. Thank you for those. Annalise will join us after half past 12 today. I can also also see some questions coming in consumer issue questions in the next hour we are going to be getting advice particularly for people who have holidays booked and people who had flights booked and then their flights or holidays were cancelled due to the travel restrictions because of COVID-19. Have you received your vouchers yet? Are you still waiting on your vouchers? 
More importantly, if you opted for a refund, have you received your refund? If not, how long have you been waiting? And we're trying to find out what is there anything else we as consumers can do to speed up that either you're getting your voucher or to speed up getting your refund. We're also looking for your thoughts and comments on children and how children have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm in particular talking about children going into shops and not being allowed into shops and the effect that it's having. Anne-Marie says, Hi Patricia, thank you for raising this issue of children and shopping. I had no choice but to take my two little girls to Dunn's in Limerick during the week to do our grocery shop. It was my first time doing it since the lockdown. The security man said nothing to us, but you would find people were giving us the extra long look inside in the supermarket. It was so bad it actually made me nervous, but what was worse was it made my two little girls nervous. People have to stop and think before they judge. I think this lockdown has taken its toll on children and it's time to give the poor creatures a break. We were delighted to be allowed back into the playground but again my children were nervous going back in to play with all the scaremongering that has been going on. Uh, Thanking you says Anne-Marie and I do think the last week because, you know, when we went into phase two this time last week and so many people, so many more people went back to work, that in itself then was causing problems for families who had both parents at home during lockdown. One was able to stay at home with the children while the other was able to go to the supermarket. So I think in this last week, like exactly as Amory is saying, for the first time, she had no other choice, needed to do a grocery shop. Children are too young to be left on their own, uh, you know if you leave them in the car you'll be the world's worst parent as well so you know what else do you do you have to bring them into the supermarket with you so that's you know why this whole thing around this judgement called nobody is suggesting that you bring children in and you allow them to run amok inside in the supermarket Uh, hopefully that will never happen again and that never should have happened even in day one but these are people who are keeping their children very close beside them they've no other choice you know it's not that it's, it's not the most children like to go shopping to a supermarket children probably would prefer to be doing something else but these parents have no other choice thank you for that uh, Amory and sorry to hear that you were getting such long stares um, and sort of touch touch looks from other people 1850 Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. County Council have just been in contact say unfortunately there has been a burst water main and customers are without water in parts of Newmarket including Tower, the Commons, Nakakoma, uh, Inchitotan, Blueford and the surrounding areas. Cork County Council Irish uh, Water apologise for any convenience cause they're aware of the burst water main and they are working on it as we uh, speak. Keeping a close eye on what's happening in Dublin to see if there's going to be any news of any white smoke. Will we get a government formation? Will we hear about it uh, today? And actually, do you know, it's 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 bizarre that we're talking about a programme for government and all of the various parties trying to sort out what they're going to agree to and not agree to when you think that we went to the polls on the 8th of February. It just seems like 
it seems like so, so long ago. And yet it was only the 8th of February at a time, I suppose, when COVID-19 and coronavirus were something that was going on in China and it was something we were hearing about. But it certainly wasn't anywhere near being as we thought on our doorstep. My goodness, how times have changed even since that general election date of the 8th of February. The Fine Gael leader and caretaker Taoiseach Leo Varadkar has says there'll be a rotating Taoiseach I mean everyone was expecting this when the programme for government uh, deal is finally signed off he was speaking this morning at an event in Dublin and then he's going to head back to talks with the leaders of Fianna Fáil, Neil Martin and the Green Party Eamon Ryan. Uh, he said a date has been agreed but he wouldn't be drawn on the timeline. He said details will be published in the draft programme of the government which he he's anticipating will be signed off at some stage this morning. That's why I'm trying to keep an eye on what's done. The news coming out of Dublin this morning to see will it happen before we, we finish the programme at one o'clock. Uh, when he was asked then by the reporters at this event it seemed to be some event to do with Dublin bus because I, I've seen photographs go up online of him standing in front of a Dublin bus. I don't, I don't exactly know what the event was but anyway he was asked what position would he hold in the new government. He said good question. That was it. He said the draft programme for government is in line with Fine Gael values and principles and then Fianna Falls, Michael McGrath earlier said the expectation was that Micheál Martin would be nominated to lead the next government as a Taoiseach. He said that Micheál Martin's leadership is not in question and that he has the skills and the expertise to lead the country through this uh, difficult time. If the three leaders strike a deal, the finalised document could be sent to their respective parliamentary parties for a vote of, of approval as early as this afternoon. So it's a rotating Taoiseach and it looks like it's going to be Micheál Martin will be the first Taoiseach. Then I'm assuming Leo Varadkar will take over and then will it be Eamon Ryan if Eamon and Ryan is still in control of the Green Party. That's the way it's looking like with this rotating Taoiseach. They're obviously going to have to split up the cabinet positions as well. According to newspaper reports, they're going to allocate the cabinet jobs on a 663 rota. So six of the cabinet Senior ministries will go to Fianna Gael, six will go to Fianna Fáil and three will go to the Greens. Uh, so only time will tell as to who is going to get what at position. When are we expected to have a doll? Well, even though Leo Varadka said there's a date, but he's not, he's not, there is a time frame, but he's not been drawn on the, the timeline. There is one important date in which we have to have a government in place and we need a vote in both the houses of the Oireachtas and that's, that's on renewing the Offences Against the State Act and that has to be taken before the 30th or key sections, including those underpinning the Special Criminal Court, uh, will lapse and that vote is held every year. It's normally a formality, but it it has got to be held now by the 30th of June and it can't be take place until the Taoiseach not puts in the 11 nominations to the Senate so that the vote, the vote obviously will be held up in the upper house uh, otherwise. And obviously the 11 nominations to the Senate, I'm assuming they'll split those up as well. So those nominations will be Micheál Martin will get to pick some of them Leo Varadkar will get to pick some of them and then Ryan of the Greens will get to, to pick some of them so we will await to see will we have white smoke this morning which will tell us we're into government formation but that still doesn't mean that still doesn't mean it's a done deal because then 
all of the individual parties, they all have their own systems on how you're going to decide on the deal. For example, Fianna Fáil has a one member, one vote straight ballot among the party uh, members with postal ballots likely to be sent out to, today. Fianna Gael have a more complicated electoral system. It involves delegates from each consist- constituency, the executive council and the party's elective uh, representative. So that's that's a slightly different way of doing it. And then the Green Party is likely to face the toughest struggle to ratify the deal. The party constitution requires a two-thirds majority among members to approve any coalition agreement. So it's entirely possible that the majority could could support the deal but just not a big enough uh, majority and if it isn't the Green Party then would be out and would we be back to the drawing board? Yes we would. I mean there's been much speculation as to what's contained in the uh, programme uh, for government and it does look certainly on the surface it does look like the Greens have managed to get a good deal out of it but we'll wait and see what what happens uh, today 1850 Can I go to some of your calls uh, please coming in uh, to us Mary from Mallow was listening to John Wolfe talking about Mallow Search and Rescue and Mary says Patricia I was at a funeral mass in Bandon just before the lockdown where the Mallow Search and Rescue was actually mentioned on two occasions and they were highly commended by the family I have a donation waiting to be given to them for all the great work that they have been doing. Yeah, they are, they're a wonderful, wonderful uh, organisation for sure. OK, I'm taking children into shops and how parents are coping and struggling with it. Listen to this. This is this is typical now what I'm saying about no one knows what's going on in somebody else's world. When you look at somebody and you're thinking, why are they in the shop with their children and why are they doing this and why are they doing that? You just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. The listener says, Patricia, I have two children, a three-year-old and a two-month-old baby. Can I stop there and say congratulations on your little new baby? And I've, I, I think it's been a really tough time for new mums giving birth during a pandemic. It, it really is. The thing is, you'll have a great story to tell your child um, as he or she is growing up. Anyway, I suffered with postnatal depression with my first child and it's even worse with this little baby. My pregnancy was super tough. So at the end, the appointments were scary but enjoyable. And then we had the worry about my husband being allowed to attend the birth. In the end, the staff were amazing and thankfully it all went okay. But now my husband is back at work. I don't feel like I can go anywhere with the kids. It's stressful enough without the worry of being embarrassed or turned away from shops it really is awful I've no one to watch them and besides just going for a walk I feel we're being locked into our own house my nephew who is just five was told he wasn't allowed into a store two weeks ago he now refuses to go anywhere because he says he won't be allowed in it's an absolute disgrace life is going back to normal for people who don't have kids but all the restrictions seem to be still in place for us families that's just really tough that's just really really tough as I say I mentioned Supervalue and Clonakilty, they've introduced these family-friendly shopping times. Hopefully other stores will start to do the same and you will be able to get out and you will be able to go for a little stroll to the supermarket. It doesn't sound very exciting, doesn't it? But it gets you out of uh, your house and it's postnatal depression is, is a tough thing. But listen, take hope and take comfort from the fact that you went through it on your first child three years ago you came out the other side there is light at the end of the tunnel but please reach out and get support and now that your husband is back at work and you're on your own with the the children I mean reach out to family members I mean you mentioned your nephew hopefully you've got family living close by if you don't reach out to friends just don't be on your own 
because it's it's a tough enough journey raising children and it can be full on with a three-year-old and a two-month-old without struggling and, and battling with postnatal depression. My heart really does uh, go out to you. Stay strong and thank you. I really appreciate your text to 0862-103-103. And then on this whole thing about how this pandemic is affecting children and what would be the long-term effect for children, particularly, you know, by the time they, if, if they go back to school in September, there'll be six months out of school. And I know some teachers have been doing absolutely great work with online work and some parents have taken to homeschooling, but a lot of parents haven't taken to homeschooling, have found it really stressful and tough. I've heard of some have just given up on it. They said it's just not worth the hassle. And it's very difficult for children to, you know, children come home and they play and they're at home and home is their safe space and it's their fun space. And suddenly they're forced to sit at a kitchen table for so many hours every day doing doing work. It just, it feels alien to a lot of children as well. So the sooner we know for sure that the schools are going to reopen in September and that all of the children are going back. I think the sooner we get clarity on that, I think it will be better for the children as well to know that they're going back and that everything's going to be okay. Michael says, Patricia, this is this is on the teachers who came out quite strongly against Joe McHugh on Friday when he says he wants to get rid of so- social distancing, have children in a bubble so they remain in their classroom in bringing the social distancing out in the playgrounds but to let teachers go in and teach and for it to be as normal as possible inside in the classroom and of course teachers are coming out saying well if we've got to social distance when we're outside why aren't we social distancing in the classroom as well Michael says if a paediatrician has to go into a ward every day to work with three with sick children and see 20 plus of them um, outside of the ward no social distancing goes on in a children's ward with only a mask and hand washing. Why can't teachers do the same thing and reopen our schools? Teachers live for their part-time job on a full-time salary with plenty of holidays. Michael, teachers will go mad when they hear you say that. But anyway, they are not playing with a class of sick children who are all tucked up in a bed. A school is a place of controlled anarchy, fun, enjoyment, plus lots of running around. Children losing real time in their education timeline can never be recovered. Furthermore, more Michael feels that even so it should have gone ahead, ahead as it always did so he's feeling for the class of uh, 2000 and actually somebody else thank you for that Michael when I was talking about the, the schools and when we're looking across Europe and how across Europe other schools have reopened very successfully hasn't been a spike in COVID-19 cases and certainly hasn't been a spike in the schools themselves. The children aren't all suddenly dropping down with the coronavirus and I think, you know, can we learn what's going on in other schools? And then whenever you mention other countries, the teachers unions will say, but hold on a tick. You can't compare like with like because the number of children that are in classes in this country with 30 plus pupils. So I was wondering is there any way of finding out how many classes in this country have 30 plus pupils? And thank you to somebody who has sent me a graph. Now, I don't know when this was taken or how long ago this was taken, but I'm assuming this is up to date. This is a map of Ireland showing from county to county how many children are in a class that's above 30. And if you look at it, on average... 19.8% of children are in classes of 30 plus. So we'll round it off at 20%. That means 80% of children in this country are in classrooms that doesn't have have 30 or more children. So do we work on, do we work on the 
children that are in classes of 30, if the teachers are feeling nervous about going into a classroom of 30, can we put the extra resources in there? But what about the other classrooms and the other schools that don't have the 80% that don't have 30 plus children in the classroom? You know, I mentioned there's a lot of our smaller rural schools, for example, that don't have anything like 30 children per class. So, you know, one model isn't, isn't going to fit all. But we need to look at the bigger picture and work on, I think, the most important thing. And I think it's what, you know, Joan McHugh mightn't be the most favourite Minister for Education, but I think the point he was trying to get across on Friday, I think possibly it was the way he was delivered, is, is we need to see the effect that all of this is having on children. And therefore, for that reason, we need to be doing everything that we possibly can to make sure that the children go back and go back into school in a normal an environment as possible. 1850 And I welcome parents' views. I mean, maybe parents are nervous about sending their children back to school. But, you know, there's a lot of evidence there from other countries and from this country that, you know, children are not these super spreaders. We've learned so much even since the lockdown began in March. We have learned so much and we just need to continue learning and we base our new models on all of the information that we have. Then let me stay on education. Margaret in Cork, this is on July provision. This We discussed this uh, last week. This is the special month of education uh, for children with uh, special needs. It initially was only for children on the autism spectrum and uh, children with, with very challenging needs. But now for this year, they're saying they're throwing it open to everyone, including children with Down syndrome who were never entitled to it before. But there's a problem. It isn't, it's just, it's, it's trying to find teachers to do Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Do the work or SNAs to do the work and Margaret seems appears to be caught in that dilemma. Uh, she said the July provision for children with autism. The child is going to a, this is obviously Margaret's child, is going to a special needs unit in a mainstream school so they won't be providing July education within the school. What happens instead is you can have it in the home. They, Margaret is unable to get a teacher to provide the July provision for her child um, as there was a delay in the government sanctioning the money for it. Her child now will miss out on 40 hours of learning in the month of July. Margaret says as teachers were getting paid to do this job so the money was allocated 
donated and was there why not give that money to the parents to finance the care for the month kind of like a little bit of an extra sort of a respite grant almost um, uh, Margaret I, I know that's been tried before by other parents Margaret when they weren't able to get anyone to do July provision in the home and they've never had any luck before but yeah I think this year maybe an exception could be made because of the amount of months of education that the children have missed out on. 1850 and I just want to give an answer to something that came in earlier from a listener to say, Hi Patricia, do you or your listeners know what is the pension age? I am 66 early next year and at the moment I'm getting a carer's allowance. Will I be entitled to my state pension? I'm confused. I thought I was to get it at 65 and now am I to get it at 66? Who do I need to be checking? Am I entitled uh, to it? Uh, thanking you. Okay, the there was a time when you would have got your old age pension at 65 and then of course it moved to 66 and unfortunately it is now moving to 67 is the age at which somebody is entitled to an old age uh, pension. Now wait for the programme for government because Fianna Fáil wants to keep the old age pension age at 66 which would mean if Fianna Fáil get their way on that one then you will get you will transfer from a carer's allowance to a state pension at 66 but if they don't get their way in the programme for government then unfortunately the rules changed and it has gone to 67 and the 67 kicks in from next year you're just outside of it unfortunately so it will be 67 but let's wait and see what comes out from the programme for government you very much are watching this space when it comes to uh, what's going to be agreed in the next programme for government 1850-333-103 lines are open Sadie and Bernie taking your calls text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Staff wanted for immediate start at E&R Blinds factory that's based in McCroom. While a childminder is wanted four days per week in the children's own home, it's in Hazelwood in Mallow. A dental nurse slash receptionist wanted for a practice in Bandon. And Newmarket Motors, they are looking for a parts advisor. Motor trade experience and a knowledge of after-sales department would be an advantage. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Airline customers, especially those with Ryanair and Aer Lingus, are still in the dark about refunds and vouchers months after the first claims were lodged. To offer us advice, I'm joined by Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association of uh, Ireland. Good morning to you, Dermot. Morning Patricia, nice to talk to you. And lovely to talk to you. Now the airlines are saying they are processing an unprecedented demand of claims. Do we just have to be patient or is there more that the airlines could be doing? I can't help but feel whilst we do have to be patient and we have been patient, I think the airlines need to do quite a degree more. One, it would help significantly if they gave some specific detail. I mean, they are saying, for example, that they have an unprecedented volume of requests. They're not saying how many. Um, they're saying that they've dealt with 90,000, uh, well, one airline has dealt this, uh, it has issued 90,000 vouchers, but we don't know what the level of requests has been. They say that they're, they're bringing in additional staff um, to, to, to look at the process, to work the processing forward. They're not saying how many or what their goals are, their, or their intentions are. But I think the worst part of all of it, uh, Patricia, is that, as I say, 
even if you even if you ring the airlines, you you you're either told go online and and make an application, or you're told we're not taking calls because we're too busy, um, and we're not taking calls when it comes to the request for vouchers. They'll issue in due course. Um, and at this stage, at this stage, quite a number of consumers, whatever about the ninety thousand, there are still very very many who are now in their third fourth month waiting for any advice on what has happened to the voucher that they unfortunately have had to take rather than seek um, a refund. Yeah, and I, when I mentioned that you were going to join us on the programme this morning, I can see I have so many tweets and uh, uh, so many uh, WhatsApps and texts and comments coming in from people, every, all with their own story to tell. But the vast majority are saying the very same thing, that they're just not hearing anything and the frustration that it's causing. Let me just let me just give you one. Hi, Patricia. Um, I was due to fly from Malaga on the 3rd of April to the 11th with my sister flying with Air, along with my sister we were flying with Aer Lingus they never even contacted us to say that the flight had been cancelled I've contacted them several times I'm still waiting for either a refund or a voucher I'd like to book for August but until I get my voucher I can't do it uh, thank you for airing this and that's very typical of lots of other similar causes of that with people saying they're not telling us what's going on and, and th- that's the fact of it. Um, and it's, it's, as you're entirely right, and you've outlined it there, it is exceptionally frustrating. Um, I mean, anything that you see either on, on a, a screen or in terms of a, a response, it's always brimming over with positivity. But that's not the example. And it's certainly not the experience of the, the person who, let's remember, has paid many months ago in advance for the flight. Um, and now at this stage are probably eight months or nine months out of pocket um, and there's nothing coming back to them. Um, one of the great difficulties underpinning some of the, the problems were that flights weren't cancelled. You're only entitled to a full refund or a refund if your flight is actually cancelled. The great difficulty for a lot of consumers is that their flights were not cancelled. They they took off. Um, I don't know who was on them or if anybody was on them, um, but the problem is quite a degree of the flights took off um, and, and landed um, in, in the areas that they were supposed to. But even at that, there's nothing coming back or nothing coming forward, even, as I say, which was the simple effort. Okay, I want to ask for a refund. Don't want you to go to Allah. Just send me a piece of paper saying that's the value of your money so I can rebook. And as you say, and as that person said, you can't even rebook. You're in completely in no man's land. Uh, there's a fair factor in the background, Patricia, that prices may start to go up. Mm. And if that's the case, exactly what will your voucher be worth in real terms? Um, and although um, I must give credit now, in fairness to, while I'm being honest here, to Erlingus, whilst we're all waiting for vouchers, at least they will receive a 10% bonus on it. It's something, um, and it helps. But um, it still it remains the fact that it's not good enough. Um, and you know the suggestion that we're bringing in staff now, it's a bit late. And the reason I'm saying it's a bit late, because you don't have to bring them in. You can just organize a team of people to work remotely. Everybody I engage with, including myself, is working remotely, has been since March. Um, and, and of our two airlines predominantly being um, Aer Lingus and Ryanair, they... They have massive cash reserves, so it's it's not as if they're even going to seek EU or state aid. They don't need it, 
I mean, IAG, who own Aer Lingus, have seven billion in cash reserves. Ryanair have four billion in cash no, reserves. That's, that's so, it's not that they don't have the money. No, and, and you know something, Dermot? I felt very sorry uh, over the since the lockdown. We've been hearing from families who need the money because you know their jobs were gone yeah. and small businesses, and they just need the money. And in some cases, particularly the ones the, the transatlantic uh, flights. Some of them, it's a lot of money. It's, it's not just like 10 or 20 euro. You know, we're, we're talking into the thousands. You're entirely right. And that's the reality of it. And we've been trying to push that point from the outset that, you know, everybody's talking about the difficulties businesses are going through. And we all acknowledge it. We work for businesses, etc. Um, but the other side of the coin is, and the weak link here are the consumers. And they're not being considered, not in realistic terms. And consumer provisions law that is there are being trampled all over on the basis that when the business needs to help here, I acknowledge that a lot of businesses need help. But as you say, many, many consumers have lost jobs, are not going to get their job back, and they need the money. And they don't need the, they don't need the voucher to travel somewhere they now have no chance of being able to afford to go to. And they just need their money back. It, it, it really is a, a bad situation. And I've got to be honest, no business that I know of would put up with those terms yeah. or those conditions. That'd be a big problem. Um, OK, and, and, and a, lot, a lot of listeners are wondering, like, where can you go from here, including Frank? He's been waiting since the 6th of April. He has consistently been contacting Aer Lingus by phone, on uh, Twitter, emailing them, just getting the same response the whole time. We're dealing with a huge volume of queries, wondering, are there any other options now? The only real option that exists is to get in touch with the Commission for Aviation Regulation. So, in other words, the regulator, um, to see if there's some assistance. In fairness to that regulator, they're the ones that come out and said, look, a voucher is one thing, but the choice has to be a refund or a voucher because that's what the consumer is entitled to. A call to them or a contact with them, as I say, um, aviation regulation, it's easily come up with and see what they can do and at least get your name on a list and, and, and push it because they, they will be pushing. They're going to have to push into the airlines saying you're not doing what you're supposed to do and do something about it now. Um, even if it is just as we're talking about here, Patricia, a message to the person saying, look, we know you've been waiting for ages. It's it's crazy. Because I'll put my hand up in the air here and be honest about it. I'm waiting for a voucher <laughs> since the middle of March. And so, I'm waiting on, I opted for the refund. I'm waiting on my refund. So snap, we're both oh. waiting. And yeah. and may, But then listen to this for, for an, an additional layer of frustration. Mary received her voucher from Ryanair. Well done, Mary. Every Great. time she goes to use it, the voucher says it's already been used. She's emailed them and she's now waiting to hear back. She's after getting a dud voucher. Oh, dear Lord. Now, you see, here's another issue that, well, that's one that needs to be referred to um, either A, to the regulator, but more importantly, to the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission, because that's a serious problem. Um, and it is a consumer issue. So ccpc.ie um, and seek help there. And I read over the weekend that Michael O'Leary of Ryanair is saying that all refunds will be processed in the next 10 to 12 weeks. Do you take any comfort from that? I do, because at least it's a fixed term. And if it falls down, you can go back and say, well, just six or 10 weeks. You know, and it, at least it's coming out saying, this is what we're going to do. Um, it, it, it's something to hang your hat on. Now, the other one that we're getting a couple of calls and texts about, it's a similar one. Let me sum it up with one. Um, Bernadette in Ross Garbury. They, she has a holiday booked 
since last November it, but it's for September of this year it's for Lanzarote for three weeks she has the flights and the insurance paid for but she is still to pay the accommodation the accommodation is due this week now she's tried several times travel agent that she's booked with she's been going with the same travel agent for well over 10 uh, years they're not answering calls she would prefer a refund or a voucher not that happy about flying and there's a couple of others coming in flights booked but now they don't want to go what where do you stand well if it's a, if it's a package um, then the, you should be hearing from the travel agents um, and most importantly have some comfort in the fact that the the inability to travel on that holiday is a fact and a reality so you ultimately will be able to um and get your refund back. It's, and, and most importantly, if you don't, or there's a problem with the, with the, the travel agency, um, at least they're bonded. Um, which You'll is get one thing. But, but people two. who just have flights booked and nothing else, direct flights. If it's, if it's, if it's just flights... Um, and okay, don't want to go because they're nervous. Well, there's a problem there because if the flight is taking off yeah. and it's not cancelled... And then you're going to have a difficulty, in all honesty. Um, but if, if, and I'm assuming that if it's just flights, then again you're just dealing with an airline. So the, the, potentially the flights should be being cancelled any day now. The problem, Patricia, is that a lot of the airlines are waiting almost to 24 hours before they cancel the flight. Um, so yeah, I can, I can see again. one listener has flights to Tenerife on the 4th of July. She wants to change that she'd even take a voucher um, instead. Uh, but they, they're only allowing up to the 30th of June. So she's just outside the time frame for a refund. But you don't know that flight still may get cancelled. 4th of July. <laughs> That's right. It may still get cancelled. And unfortunately, it's a waiting game. You've got to wait to see because the bottom line of it is the flight has to be cancelled for you to get a refund. After that, um, the goodwill gesture, if you want to call it, is that you may get a voucher. But it, it, it's a problem. Um, and it's, this has been ongoing since, as, as we say ourselves, early in March. Um, and it's not going to stop, unfortunately. There's nothing fair in it very difficult. And someone else has flights uh, booked, flights cancelled and obviously wants to wants to transfer the flights to next year instead but the right. flights aren't available for next year yet. What am I to do? I know that's possibly with Aer Lingus. There's only, it isn't 365 days you can book ahead. You know, when you transfer um, the flight. That's right. They, they, they don't book that far ahead. So that's where you are probably best to opt for the voucher in that regard yeah, because yeah. at least with Aer Lingus, it'll be a five-year voucher. So you, you have that option, um, which is useful, um, and you can follow their, their schedule. Um, so that's the one on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Donald, what do you do if your outgoing Ryanair flight to Spain is cancelled, but your Aer, Lingus, your Aer Lingus flight home isn't? You can't go out to come back, says Donald. Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, well, if the one out is cancelled, right, move on that now. Um, and you've got to watch very closely um, the, as, as we've just been talking about the Aer Lingus website to see what they're doing in, in terms of the flight um, leaving whatever the destination is to Dublin. Yeah, because they are cancelling, as you say, with 24 hours to go. Yeah. They're, they're, they're leaving right them the up. End. It looks as if they're live, uh, but they're not. That's exactly okay. right. And were, were you pleased to see the VHI change their mind on the claim for the coronavirus disruption for people who booked holidays before March 19th? They changed their mind on that last week. Yeah, it was. It, it's positive. It took a while to get there, but and I could, maybe can understand it. But yes, pleased to see it. Um, this, you know, it's not all negative in the background of this, but the specifics and the the, the important areas 
it's it's shocking the way it's been managed. Um, it really is. I know that there are a, a, so, such a wide number of, of people involved, but you would expect a backup team to be able to meet that demand. It's it's disappointing. Okay, it's great, and, and just some other, when we mentioned you were coming on, we always get people yeah. ringing up with. Um, yeah. Now, can retailers insist on customers paying by card only and refusing cash? We've had a few listeners who were very embarrassed when they went into a shop and queued up to pay to be told we're not accepting cash and the person didn't, didn't have a card. And people want to know, can businesses legally do that from a consumer point of view? It's actually not written down in law anywhere but the, 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 it, it's, it's accepted that there's, under certain circumstances, um, you know, you, you might be able to say, look, we're not able to accept cash today, and we can only accept a card. But you have to be advised in advance. Um, and, like, in fairness, a lot of those who were, were going to open and adopt that position um, made it very, very clear long in advance and there were signs around car parks and everything before you got on a queue. But there seems to be a number who slipped through a net and didn't um, take the, the smart route of advising people. And what they've done is they've embarrassed them. Yeah. They've probably lost the customer forever. That's it. Um, and it's a problem. That's it, that's it. And we, we, we've seen some great acts of kindness, particularly in coffee shops with the person behind paying for the coffees in the school, which, exactly. is, which is particularly nice. And then someone else wants to know, now that you're not allowed to try on clothes in shops... Uh, anymore uh, well for the moment anyway uh, are they obliged to give you a full refund if you take the item home and you try it on and A it doesn't fit or B when you try it on you just don't like the, lo- the look of it you know the way some sh- shops will insist I know. yeah because you can usually only do that um, uh, if there's something wrong with it but yeah. you're entirely right under the current circumstances we're talking about again back to exceptional circumstances I would suggest to anybody if you're going to to buy something, say that at the counter and have it written on your receipt and um, returnable within X number of days. Okay, but yeah, pointed out to them. And then a final one: Is it legal for shops to charge an extra fifty cent for a twenty euro mobile phone top up? This was Finbar and Bantry. He said it annoys me every time I get my twenty euro top up. My local shop is charging me an extra fifty cent. Couldn't agree more. It's been that way for many, many years. It's a great source of frustration. What happened there is um, they, they, the, the seller gets a, a percentage um, from from the, the, the company and they reduce the percentage, so they pass it on to the consumer. Um, so it's become a little bit of a challenge, but there are stores, there are shops, there are news agents that don't charge anything extra. Try to find one of those. But other than that, unfortunately, you have to just you know, swallow hard and pay the money over at the counter. Okay, just received an email from Mayor Lingus as a texter saying our flight was cancelled. The email is only offering a change of flight or a voucher. There's no mention of a refund. Am I entitled to a refund? If it's cancelled, yes, you are. And unfortunately, because many of us have done it, you need to go onto the website and you will find a refund claim form. It is actually there. You have to go um, look for it though. You have to go look for it, which is <laughs> shocking as well. And can I say my, my, my tip on that is if you go into Twitter, if you're on Twitter and direct message them on Twitter, they're very good. Whoever runs their Twitter accounts, I'm sure there's more than one, one person, they're quite good. I always feel sorry for them because they get dreadful abuse. And uh, Mary says, could um, Derma please say the name of the website for the Dud voucher from the voucher that didn't work one called it a Dud voucher the voucher that didn't work from Ryanair where, where where can that person go? Oh sure go to ccpc 
CompTIA.ie. That's the Competition Consumer Protection Commission website. CCPC.ie. Okay, you're always a mine of information. We love having you on the programme. We'll talk again soon, Dermot. In the meantime, stay safe and look after yourself. Thanks, Patricia. Take Great care. Take bye, care. Bye, 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 bye. That is uh, Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association of uh, Ireland. And thank you to a huge number of people who have uh, contacted us, particularly. I can't get over the number of people so frustrated waiting for refunds or waiting even for vouchers. I think the voucher one, when people opted for the voucher for either Ryanair or the voucher for Aer Lingus seemed like a great deal because you were getting the extra 10%. But to see people texting in saying, I'm now ready to book my new flight and I haven't got the voucher so I can't book without the voucher and don't feel comfortable about spending out more money on a flight when there's, you know, money due back. It's, it is very, very frustrating. But to know you're not on your own, I think, we can take small comfort from that. 1850 We have Sadie and Bernie taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We had somebody earlier who was asking me about the state pension and the person is going to be 66 early next year and is on a carer's allowance and is wondering will they automatically go over to the old age pension when they hit 66 early next year and uh, what do they have to do and all of that etc. And they're on a carer's allowance at the moment and unfortunately I had the bad news for them that as of now unless it changes under the programme for government, the from the 1st of January next year you will have to be 67 before you receive a state pension and I've just seen somebody text in to say I will be 66 on the 5th of January will I get the state pension or do I miss out you are missing out would you believe by literally five days the state qualifying age for the state pension goes to 67 in 2021 and I have worse news uh, in 2028 it goes to 68 so anyway for people trying to work out where, where, where am I on that if you are born on or after the 1st of January 1955 and obviously that person was born on the 5th of January 55 so if missed out by five days then the state pension age will be 67 and then if you're born on or after the 1st of January 1961 the minimum age will raise to, will go to 68 but somebody has pointed out to the person who will have to wait an extra year now as is uh, the, the carer for their old age pension somebody wants to point out just let that person know you can get a half carer's allowance and also draw the your state pension at the same time which I which is is good to point out to that person. So thank you for that. And Tim says, Patricia, I don't think the state pension age will change before a budget, though the phased increase was announced some years ago. It's important, though, for anybody coming up to the qualifying birthday to apply three months before the date. I wasn't aware of that. Okay, that's for anybody now, this side of Christmas, who's reaching 66. You need to apply three months before the date, Tim says, to allow our dedicated overworked civil servants time to process the application. And I don't know if you are being sarcastic, Tim, with your comment there or not, or you are recognising the hard work of civil servants. But either way, thank you. 1850 Questions are coming in for Annalise. Please keep those coming. I need to take a break, though. We have news at 12 midday on uh, the way. We're going to 
speak with uh, Lishin's House Suicide Prevention Programme in West Cork. Their charity shops have uh, opened uh, and we'll also have Annalise answering all of your nutritional questions all afternoons at 12. A hubby, and I don't have the hubby's name, was on to say, would you ever wish my wife Teresa Grimes a happy 46th wedding anniversary? Don't know where Teresa lives. I don't have the hubby's name, but it's their 46th wedding anniversary uh, today. That's a fantastic achievement to love and uh, to you both. Uh, But Teresa, your husband just wants to publicly acknowledge you uh, today. So happy wedding anniversary to you, Teresa, and hubby, whoever hubby is. Okay, let me look at some of your calls that have come in to us. Okay, Uh, when I mentioned about a rotating Taoiseach, and this is what the Fine Gael leader, Leo Varadkar, said earlier. He was speaking at an event in Dublin. I think the event was to do with the wearing of masks on public transport and trying to encourage people that if you're travelling on buses and trains and trams uh, to please wear a cloth, some kind of covering on your face because I can see pictures of him online wearing a black mask on his mouth and he's on a Dublin bus and when he was giving the the interview earlier to a sort of like a little press conference that he was doing earlier was in front of Dublin bus so I knew it was something to do with transport so that's what the event seems to be about but anyway the journalist who turned out for the event obviously using the opportunity to talk about the formation of a new government and he said at us that there's going to be a rotating shock between himself at the, well at the moment it'll be himself Micheál Martin and Eamon Ryan basically it'll be a rota- rotating shock between the three parties that go into government and Fianna Fáil have already said Micheál Martin will be there chosen person and he will be the first Taoiseach uh, Mio Martin then it will be followed by if it is still Leo Varadkar in charge of Fine Gael and then it looks like Eamon Ryan will bring up the rear and he will be the final Taoiseach um, if the government lasts for the five years Okay, a lot of people are commenting on this and on the formation of government and we're still waiting to see Do they, they seem to be close to agreeing and certainly looking at what's been mentioned in the papers today, the Green Party seems to have done quite well out of it. They still have to go back. Uh, Eamon Ryan will still have to go back and get it past the members, as will Fianna Gael and uh, Fianna Fáil. So only time will tell if everyone's going to agree with it. But certainly on the surface, looking at it, the Greens seem to have uh, done well. Con in Bandon wants to know, are all of the politicians that lost their seats back in early February who didn't get re-elected are they still getting paid? Yes they are because they're all still part the government that's in place is still the caretaker government is the government that was there before we had the election on the 8th of February so yes the answer is uh, they are all being uh, paid Other people want to comment on the formation of a new government and I can see from the comments coming in that we don't seem to have a lot of Green Party supporters in this uh, area Uh, Tim says I think Leo will not take up the option of being Taoiseach Fine Gael have a leadership election after a general election and I think Leo might actually step down this is Tim's view he thinks he might step down from politics and head to the US and go into business in a private clinic there the second Taoiseach in the sequence will be the one nearest to the next election and they will be the spec- they will be the target for the spectators in the opposition benches says Tim so they're going to certainly have the toughest ride as uh, Taoiseach uh, Morning Patricia says Pat what gigantic egos Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil have to, den- to deny the majority of voters who didn't vote for them is this the type of country we want. Pat feels it's sounding more like a dictatorship every day. Someone else says Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael should be ashamed of themselves going into power at any cost with the Greens whose aims seem to be to decimate rural Ireland and tax 
seems to be their mantra. Another listener says, who would want the Green Party coming from the man leading it who has suggested bringing wolves back to this country? What is wrong with them? They were some of the texts that came in to us and some of your tweets that have come in on this uh, says, sorry, Patricia, but the people did not vote for Eamon Ryan to be Taoiseach. The people didn't actually vote for the Greens to be in government. However, they did vote in their droves for Sinn Féin, who were nowhere to be seen. This government will not reflect the votes of the people. Kind regards. That is from um, Claire. Uh, Patricia, whatever happened to the vote that the people wanted back on the 8th of February, did we not all vote en masse for change? So the country will be back to square one again or it'll even be worse because, look, we also have this uh, virus. OK, that's just a sample of some of the texts and calls that we have had into the programme so far. Okay, and there are a number of questions coming in for Annalise. Thank you for that. Please keep those coming. What else is coming into us? Then we look at some of the ones coming in on phones there for Annalise. Thank you for that. Still getting in huge number of commentary about flights and cancelled flights and cancelled holidays. Helen and Dunamore had flights to Lanzarote booked in April with Ryanair. Obviously those flights were cancelled but she changed instead and have decided she's going to go to Lanzarote in October. We'll wait for the sting in the tail. She had to pay an extra €377 for the flights in October. She's checked with the apartments where she'll be staying and they've only charged her an extra €32. Why are Ryanair charging so much? It'll be the most expensive holiday ever, says Helen. And actually Dermot Jewell touched on that in my interview with him and his fear is that flights will go up in price. Will they try to make back the money that they lost over these three months? Which if they do, that is really, really unfair. And it was to hear Dermot talk about the cash reserves. Just these two airlines that we focused on this morning. They're, it's not that they're cash strapped. It's not that they're businesses that will go to the wall. You know, you would feel sorry for small businesses who have outstanding vouchers. And I have to say, many of those small businesses have been really, really good about handing the money back. You know, if there was a deposit paid on something and and it got cancelled. And for some of those businesses, they really are struggling. They really don't have these cash reserves. But to hear... Dermot talk about in in the billions the cash reserve that they have and then they're penny pinching about giving refunds back to people they're delaying giving refunds back uh, to people and now they seem to be bumping up the cost of flights it's so so unfair and, and of course they know if you want to travel people will pay the extra and particularly if you have a voucher like that or you're transferring you, you've already paid out that money so they'll kind of think oh, shit, they won't mind paying out a bit extra it does seem so so uh, unfair John in y'all had a cruise booked in August of he booked it last year the cruise has been cancelled uh, three months oh sorry he booked the cruise in August of last year um, and obviously it was during lockdown and it got cancelled uh, three months later still no refund nobody answering from the company it's a cruise line company in Donegal they're not even answering the phone and not a penny back yet it's just the frustration of it is just incredible for sure uh, now and a number of people are saying could I mention again the address the email address that 
Dermot Jewell gave to people. This now in, in particular was the email address he gave for the person and then we got somebody else at the same problem. The person who had got a voucher back from Ryanair and every time they go to use the voucher it's coming up as null and void that's already been used and it hasn't already been used and it's it's a huge, huge uh, frustration and somebody else says on flights, refunds or flights, is there a phone number of a company I can contact apart from the uh, airline? What was it that Dermot mentioned? Okay, so I've got Bernie. The actual website is ccpc.ie. It's the consumer helpline. But there is a number with it as well. It's a Dublin number. I don't know how busy they are now or how long you'd be waiting or whatever. They're asking, Dermot Jewell certainly was saying email, but if you don't want to email, you prefer to talk uh, to somebody, uh, feel free. Uh, it's Dublin 402 double five double five so oh one four oh two double five double five and that's the consumer helpline ccpc.ie particularly if you got one of those voucher you got a voucher and then for whatever reason the voucher isn't working and, and and I don't know why. Okay some more of your calls coming in. We were talking about the old age pension oh, yeah. this was the listener who contacted us earlier she she or he is going to be sixty six early next year. And was looking forward to going on the old age pension and I had bad news for them that anyone from the 1st of January 2021, the old age pension age goes from 66 to 67. So this person's going to have to wait another year but will stay on the carer's allowance. Um, but then Nora in Butterfield contacted us to say she was a on a full carer's allowance. She was a full-time carer for her husband. But when she got to pension age, she was called into the social welfare office in Mallow and they actually said to her, you'd be better off staying on the carer's allowance. It's worth more to you than the state pension. So she stayed on the carer's uh, allowance. Now, her husband has since passed away and she's now transferred over. Sorry to hear your husband has passed away, Nora. Um, But she's now gone over to a widow's pension. But just to let that other listener know who was on the carer's allowance, that sometimes it's better off staying on the one you're on rather than transferring over. Uh, to the to the pension, so that might be something uh, worth keeping in mind uh, as well. Okay, some of your texts uh, coming in to us. They are for Annalise. Lots coming in for Annalise. Okay, remember I called out a graph that somebody had very kindly sent me on. It's the map of Ireland, and it showed the percentage of children in class sizes of 30 and over and it gave the percentage all over the country and it averaged out at just a little under 20%. So I was making the point, well surely that says 80% of children are in classes under 30. So we wouldn't have the same problem that some teachers are quoting every time we mention children going back to school in, in September. Now I don't know if this is from a teacher or not but this listener says the graph you refer to for calculating the number of children in a class is not a true reflection of the number of children in a class. The department when calculating the number of children in a class include the special education teachers in a school. So for instance a school might have 180 children and six class teachers. That would work out at 30 in the class. The special ed teacher would then withdraw children or work in the room at different times of the day in different classes with the children that need the extra bit of work. Resource teachers for example. For example if there was three special ed teachers the 180 is divided by nine instead of six which makes it look like there's 20 in each class when in fact the actual figure is uh, 30. So maybe we need even more detail that what that chart was. The only reason that I referenced this I just think we need to think slightly outside the box rather than Every time we mention the children go back to school, we seem to have obstacles as to why they can't go back to school. I think we need to be looking at the bigger picture and realising, and the experts are starting to realise, the effect of our children being out of school, the effect it's having. 
they're out of school life is not normal for them they're being seen as lepers if they go near a shop it's like they're unclean keep away away from them and it's just having an effect I just think we should be striving for some kind of normality for the children and if the if we can look to other countries if we can look to the health experts coming in and saying the children are not super spreaders. We thought at the start they were super spreaders. That's why there was this big thing of keeping children away from everybody else. It's now been proven that it's not. We have research coming from all different countries. We've got examples of this country that had COVID-19 cases in the school and it didn't get passed on to anybody else. I just think we've got to look at it differently to say the way we looked at it when the schools all got locked down back in April. That's all I'm saying. That's all I am suggesting. And somebody says we had Michael, one of our listeners, was critical of the teachers unions and was also making the same point that a paediatrician goes in and works with very sick children. Okay, they wear PPE gear for teachers feeling that nervous do they want to wear PPE gear but they do it every day and they're working with very sick children uh, and yet we're asking teachers to go into a classroom of children. We're not asking them to go in and teach sick children. We're asking them to teach their their class and was just making the point that others have to go out and expose themselves you know what's so special about teachers and what's so precious about teachers somebody says I totally agree with Michael the teachers unions never agree to anything except a pay rise they drive me crazy with their nonsense says this uh, texter another listener says hi Patricia was very unfair to parents not allowed to bring their children into shops But can you answer a question, please? With the creches reopening on the 29th of June, workers are not allowed to wear masks or gloves. No problem mixing now when the government dangled money in front of them. Most of the creche workers have not been out and about yet. They did not take children in to mind them during this pandemic due to their own safety. But believe me, they could have made a tidy sum of money along with their COVID-19 payment if they had decided to start childbinding in their own homes. And social distancing will not be implemented in creches. I'm a creche worker and I'm petrified of returning to uh, work. Yeah, uh, I, I I feel your pain and there's lots of people have been have had to go back to work and they're very nervous about it. But again, I think that we have to all look after ourselves in many cases as well. We've all got, you know, the cough etiquette, all of that, hand hygiene, good hand hygiene, making sure that you don't, you know, put your hands anywhere near your face, anywhere near your mouth, your nose, uh, your eyes. I'll say again, and if you want to do the research on it, because it is there, there is no evidence anywhere in the world showing that children are super spreaders. There's no research has come out to say that creches have been clusters for COVID-19 cases. So, you know, arm yourself with as much information as you can. And I know it's nerve wracking. I know and I know for some people, some people are very, very nervous about going out to work. Other people, it doesn't seem seem to bother them. But for some, they're very nervous. I think people think people, I think particularly people who've really cocooned themselves, they can get very nervous about when the day comes that they have to head uh, back out. But please, God, the crash when you return, everything will be fine there and you'll get back to doing the job that you do so well. And the children will appreciate seeing you for sure. OK, just one final one. Just wondering, uh, Patricia, uh, any of your other listeners had a situation whereby you went into cash this is to do with cash and I'm assuming and people only some shops only accepting cash or not accepting cash and are only accepting cards has this ever happened to anybody else I went into cash in a winning scratch card with 5 euros on a match 3 and another 5 euros on a 3 matching symbols 
But the shop wouldn't cash it and told me I needed to take it back to the shop where I where I bought it. But I'm not sure where the card was bought. Because, yeah, if you give... I'm a, I've just sent some scratch cards off to a family member so that the card doesn't open. Nothing falls out. It's not worse than to get a blank birthday card. So I'm putting some... I put some scratch cards uh, in. So that's not making any sense. I thought I've never... I thought you could cash in your scratch cards anywhere. I don't know. I thought it was something to do with the shop not giving out cash, but it obviously isn't. This is to do with the shop saying no to cashing in winning scratch cards and told the person to go back to the shop where she bought it. Has that ever happened to anybody else? And can anybody explain why that would happen, please? 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Gagging Clothes Collection is continuing this evening. It'll be on again next Monday between 7 and 8. Gagging Hall. All the proceeds are going to Gagging Hall Car uh, Park. The Galtee Walk in Age of MS Society that will take place virtually this year on Sunday the 21st of June. It'll be live on their Facebook page that's Galtee Walk. And completed application forms for Castle Lines Community Text Alert Scheme must be returned by Friday the 26th of June. If you wish to become a member please contact 086 823 Sheen's House Suicide Prevention Charity are reopening their charity shops today and we didn't want to let the moment pass without wishing them well. I'm joined by Noreen Murphy, founder of the charity. Good afternoon to you, Noreen. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, And you're welcome. I suppose, remind listeners, how many shops you have and what you actually sell? Um, Well, we're reopening our shops today in Clannacilty and Skibbereen. We had after three months of being closed. Unfortunately, we had to come to the tough decision to close one of our shops due to the uncertainty surrounding um, the retail at this time. So we have a shop in Skibbereen still with our bric-a-brac and furniture down at Island Street in Skibbereen by the Southern Star. And we still have our shop in in Clonakilty, which is open today as well. And... um, so um, we 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 take everything. We take furniture. We take clothes, bric-a-brac. Um, as we receive no state funding, we're totally reliant on our shops and fundraising to fund our free counselling service and the training and the talks that we deliver. And before the lockdown, were the shops doing well, Noreen, for you? Yeah, they were, yes, because the generosity of the people from Cork and Cork County is unreal and they were doing well and they were actually, they, they were supporting our free counselling services so for the last three months, really, we've been relying um, to finance our service with our reserves. And thanks be to God, the government gave the nod to reopen. It couldn't have come a day sooner because our funds were seriously um, and dangerously low. Mm-hmm. So we're delighted to be able to return today. And we're just appealing to the people, um, the public, anything that they want to donate to please contact us and that our drivers will collect and they've all been COVID-19 trained so there's been a full review of our collection well process. Done. Well done. Well, and I have to that. say we were constantly throughout lockdown especially I'd say in the last month when we knew things were starting to reopen we were, there wasn't a day went by where we didn't have somebody ring up about uh, a charity shop and wondering when the charity shops were going to yeah. open. Uh, people, uh, well, I mean they love doing what you're doing and, and in supporting a charity but, but people love a bargain. 
Oh, of course, yeah. yes. And I mean, they love to browse because there's a mix and match of everything in a, in, a, in a charity shop. And, you know, it's a great place to come. And we also have a, an art room here. And at the moment, we've just put up this morning, we ran a children's art competition with a team of positive mental health. So all the young people's art is on display here in our art room. So it's a great place for people to come and see the young people's work. And also we have a book library. So we have a wide range of books. And we have a CD library as well and, well and a music library. So we have a bit of everything There's here. Something, so something for everyone. Now. Have, yeah. have you seen an increase in calls for your service, annoying particularly during um, lockdown? Yes, the COVID-19 has brought an increase in both the number of calls and the range of people contacting us about accessing our service. And the common theme really is uncertainty that the crisis has brought into their lives of all ages. And it really has turned their lives upside down and routine has gone out the window and they're they're worried about their future because it's very uncertain. So it has created a huge anxiety for people. Now, we ran our counselling services via Zoom and online over the lockdown and we did that really because we were using our reserves and you see we don't have we're like any other small charity we can't compete with the larger national profile ones looking for online monetary donations but we were very lucky because for the three months, like we had got, um, Grace Santry had won, had ran the in Tullinesky Equestrian Centre her fundraiser in January, which her funds were given to us. Kilmichael Barbandon, the under sixteen development squad in West Cork, um, they were a few of the beneficiaries for us, which managed us to survive during Brilliant. the lockdown and enable us to provide our service. And so, do you, do you do you worry going forward, um, Noreen, the about people's mental health. And well, I mean, I, I, I spoke, I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It was a, a leading psychiatrist was making the point that we're, he reckons we're going to see a tsunami of people yes. uh, looking for help. And yeah, and just before the lockdown, we'd started delivering wellbeing talks to start Cork City Council and we were rolling it out to other organisations. And I know people are worried about even going back to work, like, you know, the new normal. Yeah. And like, we are available to help people to get back to work and talks for companies uh, on, on mental health and we they can contact us. Yes, there is going to be a tsunami, I think, and like we've seen it already during the lockdown with our increased calls yeah. because people are worried about their livelihoods, they're um, going back to work, their mortgages, like there is there's huge anxiety within the public and you know people are even that are returning to work are worried. So, like, we are available to give talks and um, so they can contact us at any time. OK, and to anyone listening to us, knowing struggling at the moment, yeah. what, what what is your message to them? Well, pick up the phone. It's like, Patricia, like, you highlighting our service and, and the issue of mental health here because every time I'm on the radio... No doubt there'll be somebody listening who who was afraid afraid to ask for help. But after listening to this conversation, I assure you, because it has happened prior to any conversation I've had with you, it will just encourage somebody to see that there's a way out and that to pick up the phone and ask for help. And that's why I thank you, Patricia, because you play your part as well. Because well, our I, pleasure. I can guarantee you, I will get calls after this. Because well, that's our pleasure. And I'm always saying people to people, it isn't a sign of weakness to no. say, I, I'm struggling here. I need yeah. a bit of help. I just need to talk to somebody. Exactly. And as I said, I can guarantee you after this um, talk today, we will get calls because there is people who, who just, 
you know, they may have a thought in their mind that there's no way out and that their problem is, you know, they can't resolve a problem and they may even contemplating ending their life. But after listening to us today, I'm sure that they will be able to just um, lift up the phone and ask for the help and okay. it will be there. And, and how, there and it's how, how, easily accessible. Can you give us your number, uh, please, yeah. Maureen, for people? Our helpline number is 023 and seven eight. It's eight 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 eight. Such a simple number to remember, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> eight 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 eight. Oh uh, two three. And and you operate. What's your timeline? Well, if people ring, um, we obviously we we try and respond as quickly as possible, and we we respond to everybody that rings. If they leave a message, if we're not there at that minute in time, we'll always we'll get back. To you. Even yesterday evening, I got a call. And the woman said, oh, I'm surprised you rang me. It's Sunday. But no, we we will try and we we, we, we get back to every single person. That's that incredible. You do, you're doing incredible. Possible. Somebody wants yeah. to know the number of the shop in uh, Clan. What part of the town is it in? And do you take beds? Oh, we do take beds. Okay. Yes, we do take beds. And the the number for the furniture collections is 86 and okay. the number of ours in Skibbereen is 0285195. So if they ring those numbers, somebody will take their name and number and they'll put them on the database for collection and our drivers will collect. Well done. Well done. You're, 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 it's a powerful service that, that, that you're doing as well. Listen, uh, I, again, with a charity like you, as it was like the search and rescue earlier, I hate saying long may you continue, but I know we need you to continue. I would love to see the day where you'd oh, be yeah. joining me, Noreen, saying there's no need for the service anymore, everyone is okay, but we're never going to get to that uh, stage unfortunately. Um, so, keep up the work. Yes, and we have a website, lachineshouse.ie, and the Clannacilty is in, shop is on the Curtain Hill, okay. and it's 87 760 Okay, and all those numbers are up on your website. Yeah, uh, they'll as all well. be up on our website, and um, we'd appreciate any every single donation goes every cent goes back into the community to helping people who are in need. And it's like I, you know, people are very generous, and I encourage people to shop local and to support local, local, and to help your neighbours and help your friends because it's all about community and keeping our communities alive and kicking. And it's like um, everything uh, about this lockdown is a new way of life. But hopefully, the communities will support each other, and we'll all get back up and running. And please God, everyone will 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 come out on the other side of this. And- and this too will pass. Noreen, we leave yes. it there. Thank you. Always a pleasure Thank to so speak with you. Thank you for that. Uh, good afternoon Thank to you. you. Noreen uh, Marfish is a, a mighty woman, founder of the Lachine's House Suicide Prevention Charity. Just to let you know, their shops are open, the one in Clon and the one in uh, Skibbereen. Uh, good luck to them both. Hi, Patricia. I received a cheque for €66 Euro from AXA. I didn't drive for a while, but a nice surprise. Uh, well done. I know some of the others, I know the whoever I'm with with car insurance I'm getting an offer one voucher for for 30 euro I think so well done to AXA 66 uh, euro back there uh, Hi Patricia is there any update on the barbers opening on the 29th of June no we're still waiting on that the barbers and the hairdressers at the moment they're down for the 20th of July but the big push we're expecting to hear something this week I don't know if we will or not with government formation talks going on the hairdressers and barbers reopening may not be high on their priorities OK let's take a break and we're back with Annalise Drussell our nutritional therapist answering your questions Board today on C103 text or 
WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 And we're headed to the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic where I'm joined by our nutritional therapist Annalise Drussell. Good afternoon to Annalise. Good afternoon. And Patricia. lots and lots of questions. Are you busy at the moment? It's getting definitely getting busier around the place. I think um, it's lovely to see people back on track again. Yeah, and I think shops opening. and the shopping centres opening today. I think it's just going to generate more footfall as well. It's just yeah, people are people are. You can see it at the weekend as well. People are getting out and about because people need for their mental health as well. Don't they? It's very tough being in that well, lockdown. I noticed a lot more calls, Patricia, over the lockdown for people suffering from anxiety and depression stuck um, at home, you know, isolating, especially people who'd lost, um, you know, had lost a husband or a wife in the last year or two, found it very difficult. So I think from that perspective, it's great. But, you know, I was looking at some pictures this morning of queues outside pennies and we still need to wash our hands and be careful, you know, about touching surfaces and still follow guidelines because that virus still there so hasn't disappeared you know we need to take our vitamin d and our zinc and vitamin c protect our immune systems keep your hands clean stop touching your face and you know be reasonable about social distancing and i think everything should be fine but we need to keep that up good advice good advice okay hi Annalise. this came in nice and early this morning i'm wondering what could you recommend for a hiatus hernia are there any tablets i could take also what foods should i be avoiding with a hiatus hernia thanking you yeah, so a hiatus hernia is where the stomach actually starts to protrude up through the diaphragm and uh, it can be very painful. So there is probably no foods really that are specific to hiatus hernia, but there are foods that are more difficult to digest that could upset your digestion and hence aggravate a hiatus hernia. So I think probably foods that are difficult to digest are the ones that are very high in proteins like big steaks and big lumps of meat and fats can be hard to digest as well. I'd suggest taking a digestive enzyme just to help that along because that can help. But the key with the hiatus earlier really is to eat little and often. So to avoid having large meals, have everything in small portions and chew your food extremely well so that you're taking a lot of the pressure off the stomach for actually having to manually break it down. Um, And the digestive enzyme then will also help with breakdown of food in the stomach. So it shouldn't cause as much indigestion or heartburn. If you do have heartburn, Slippery M is a great way to manage it. You can buy it as a powder or in capsules. If you have it as a powder, you can take it just before you eat. And it coats the whole um, digestive tract and stomach with a kind of a thick layer of mucology powder. Uh, which protects from stomach acid, so it protects the cells from being irritated and burned by stomach acid released when you're eating. So that can be an option as well. And then sometimes if you are feeling pain with a hiatus hernia, you should drink a glass of water and then go and stand on the second or third step of a stairs and jump down and the weight of the water can sometimes, you know, if it started to protrude up, the weight of the water and the jump can kind of pull the stomach down a bit and maybe give a little bit of relief. Um, just you know, be careful with jumping off the stairs. Absolutely. Well, don't yeah. go up too far. Like it's really okay. just to kind of jolt your stomach. Yeah. Well, you okay. know, you could jump up and down if you were frail or prone to osteoporosis. You could just jump jump up and down on the ground. Okay. Hi, uh, Annalise. Um, I have a marina coil which is out of date since March. I'm getting pain most days going from side to side across my stomach. Also, I'm very bloated. It can't be removed due to COVID-19, uh, uh, I've been told for another few weeks. What can I take until I get it removed? That's from Helen in Kenturk. So, well, 
Well, I suppose it depends where the, where the pain is coming from, Patricia. I mean, it's, if it's coming from across the stomach, maybe it's more of a stomach issue as opposed to a womb issue. Or if it's coming from lower down, maybe it is pain in the womb. So one of the best things for kind of menstrual pain and is magnesium. Um, it's very good for kind of relaxing, crampy muscles. And actually, magnesium, one of the, the, the theories, which I'm not sure if it's true, can be believed, is that that's why we crave chocolate coming up to our period, because we're looking for a magnesium fix. Uh, but always magnesium is great for anything menstrual, any pain or cramping around that. So you could try that. Um, but if it's more of a stomach pain, uh, maybe something like a probiotic would help. And that certainly could help with the bloating. Now, there is one probiotic that I get great feedback on all the time. It's called, um, it's by a company called OptiBac, O-P-T-I-B-A-C, OptiBac. And it's actually called One Week Flat. So it is a probiotic that is particularly good for resolving bloating issues. And you could try a week of it first to see that it help. Here's one we haven't had a question in about some time. How do I get rid of chillblains? Uh, I, I mean, I remember suffering chillblains as a child and they are jolly painful. Very itchy and painful, absolutely. So the best thing probably for it in terms of a cream is a chickweed cream. Dr. Delish Clare does a nice one with chickweed in it. Um, that's very good for soothing the itchiness and the um, the, the angry redness um, of a chillblain. But chillblains can be a circulatory issue. So things that help boost circulation can often help with chillblains. And one of my favourites, again, for circulation always is the is the fish oils, the omega-3 fish oils, because they do so many other jobs. So they're great for circulation because they do thin the blood. Therefore, if you're on a blood thinner, do not take fish oils on top of that. But they're wonderful as well for protecting brain tissue. They prefer protect against neurodegeneration they're brilliant for hormone balance they're lovely for skin they're potent natural anti-inflammatories and immune balancers so they're great for people with arthritis or autoimmune disorders so they do lots of jobs but in this case they would be very good for circulation the other thing that's very good as well for circulation is horseradish and garlic so you can get that in a supplement by viridian the company make that um the other thing that can be very good as well specifically for chillblains is, you know, those beautiful little violas with the different colours, Patricia, the yeah. that we plant. The extract of the viola tricolor is very good for chillblains and you can buy it in a tincture. I think Dr. Vogel does one, so you'll be able to get it in a health shop and it's called viola tricolor. OK, hi, Annalise. I've just finished a course of antibiotics for diverticulitis, but I still have the diarrhoea even though the antibiotics are gone. Is there any product that you could recommend to clear up the diarrhoea? I am taking Biocult. And in Mallow. Okay, so that's um, one of the, the, the probiotics that I have found is very good for diarrhea. There's two of them actually. One of them is Alflurex. Um, it is actually made here in Cork. It's a probiotic that they discovered in the IBS studies in the CUH were very beneficial. My own personal um, experience is that customers who've got IBS diarrhea can do very well on it. People with IBS constipation, not so well. So you could try Alflurex, but don't expect to see a quick result. It might take a month before you'll see a reduction. Um, one of the other ones that's very good is a particular probiotic that um, is called, it's actually a yeast, and it's called um, Saccharomyces boulardii. Um, it's very, very good for very upset stomach and diarrhea. It's a great one to take with you when you're traveling overseas, if you're prone to getting runny tummy when you're on your holidays. So that's called Saccharomyces, S-A-C-C-R-O-M-Y-C-E-S, Saccharomyces boulardii. Um, and there is, again, the OptiBac company that made the other one I was speaking of, the one-week flat. 
They also do um, uh, one for travel. It's called OptiBack for Travel. And that has got the Saccharomyces plus a few other bits in there as well. So you could try that to stop the diarrhea. And always for um, diverticulitis, I recommend the psyllium husk. It comes, it's a kind of a soluble fibre that can soften a hard stool, but it can bring form to a loose stool as well. And it's very good for people with diverticulitis because it prevents um, things getting stuck in the little pouches that have formed in the colon. So you could add a big teaspoon of that to your breakfast cereal in the morning. And if it's working well and you don't get any side effects, you could up it to a tablespoon a day for maintenance going forward. And keep on it. Okay, listener says, hi, I am 80. I'm on a 20 milligram statin. What strength of CoTenQ should I be on? So it's a very hard one to know because unless we could actually measure the the, um, deficiency of CoQ10 in the system, which there is no known way to do. So what I normally recommend to people in this case is that I would start on the, a very good quality top dose one of 100 milligrams, we'll say. And there's two types of coenzyme Q10 that you can buy. One is the active form and one is the inactive form. The active form is called ubiquinol. It's O-L at the end. And that one is probably much more likely to be active and be of use in your system. So I know that the Irish company Revive Active, they do a very nice one, um, of 100 milligrams of the active ubiquinol CoQ10. So you could try that one. Um, and if you feel it's working good and your energy is good and you feel a benefit of it, then the following month, try and go down a dose to maybe 30 milligrams and see can you maintain the benefit. If you've got side effects from the statin drug, it'll be things like losing maybe short-term memory loss or exhaustion, tiredness, muscle pain and cramping, particularly across the back of the shoulders. Um they would be very typical side effects of the statin depleting of your CoQ10. So if any of those come back, you'll know you're not taking enough at 30 milligrams. Okay, Mary says, hi, Annalise. I started Althoroxin uh, 550 uh, mg's about six weeks ago. Could you recommend a supplement to enhance my thyroid function? My energy has improved, but I thought I'd be able to lose a bit more weight since going on the medication, but I haven't had much success. And that's from Mary. Well, it can take time to work as well. And unfortunately, as we get older, Patricia, our metabolism does slow down and thyroid is a big part of slow metabolism as well. So it can take time to lose the weight. Um, It's not really recommended that you take a thyroid supplement when you're on the L-troxin because it might actually push you over the edge to become hyper, you know, instead of Mm. hypo, which is too little. But there is one supplement that might work well, um, so when you take the thyroid supplement, the L-troxin, it's not in its active form because it wouldn't be safe, obviously, to take a high dose of active hormone. So your body needs to do the conversion of that. And selenium is very important for the conversion of thyroid hormone. So you could take a selenium supplement. And I have a lovely one here in the shop. Now, it's a practitioner one, Patricia, so it has to come through a practitioner like I would be. It's by a company called Nutri Advanced, and it's called Tyroconvert. And it's a combination of of uh, gum guggle, which is another thing for very good for low thyroid and selenium and a few other things that are safe to take when you're on the medication. So if you know a, a nutritional therapist as a practitioner, you could get them to order that for you. It's called Nutri Advanced Tyroconvert and it can just push you over the next level. But if you can't get your hands on that, maybe just try plain selenium on its own. Okay. And very quickly, just before we go, I can nearly answer the question. I can nearly answer this. Uh, hi, Annalise. I started taking Source of Life Gold, the vitamin that you're also, the supplement you're also recommending. And my pee is gone yellow. Is that normal? Very same thing it, happened to me. 
Absolutely. It's yeah. actually a good sign. It means is that it, you're metabolising one of the B vitamins efficiently and that's the result. In it's colour. a bit of a fright so, when you see it first, I have to say. It was a bit... <laughs> It can actually be a bit of a fright. Yeah, I, you know, I've started warning people. In yeah, the well done. Phone well done. Yeah. Okay, gotta go. Thank you for that. Bye bye. And Sanity's Giselle of the Health Hub at Times Square in Balancholic answering all of your nutritional questions, and she'll be back with us next week. And can I say thank you to Maria in Beira, who's just sent in a lovely text uh, for me and the rest of the team on the program, uh, just saying how we've um, uh, been helping her throughout this uh, lockdown. I really appreciate that because there's times we wonder, uh, are we just annoying people sometimes? you get some negative texts it's always lovely to get a nice one like that so thank you Marie and Bandon or Bera. Uh you've made me smile and made my day today now gotta go thanks to the girls to Bernie and to Sadie taking your calls we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock on to the night Patricia Messenger you're very good afternoon you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.